Welcome to episode 70 of Two Larrys and a Mike. I'm Larry Dowdy. Larry Bly here. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. And Mike, but I haven't uh, seen Mike. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting a signal, Larry. Some sort of a signal. Mike is working on a new cell phone, by the way, that picks up Morse code. <laughs> I guess he's missed that texting thing altogether. Anyway, he's sending out SOSs, but he's got no response. Well, somebody brought a Brillo pad by a while ago. Well, they... SOS pad, I should say. So there you go. I, that was actually an SOS. Did you know that? You know, we really should uh, take Mike out to lunch and talk to him about some of these ventures that he's on. No, I think we need to take Mike out and smack him around. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming along this uh, episode 70. Well, you're welcome. Which is uh, an episode with a lot of heart. Oh, okay. At least in the song title. So, As in, you gotta have heart? You gotta have a lot of lots heart. And yeah. Lots and yeah, lots and lots of yeah. heart? Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Shall we take a look at some of the birthdays, and we'll get to some of the music history makers? Yeah, okay. and of course, the birthday band is still on strike. You know, oh, they are man. striking along with everybody virtually in L.A. Well, Everyone in L.A. is on strike. Well, have you noticed that? I've, I've noticed that, yeah. No, yeah. Nobody wants to uh, cross the picket lines. No, no, for no. For a laugh. Actors, the writers, and now we got who else? A couple of days ago, they threw that in some of the airport people. Well, yeah, yeah there, yeah. there you go. Well, we're not protesting birthdays by no means. No, we do have a handful. We of believe birthdays. in them because if you're not having one, yeah, yeah there's another problem. That's not so good. Yeah, that's, that's not so not good. good. Uh, happy birthday wishes on July 29th to Martina McBride, who turns uh, 57. Paul Ankle is 82. Anka, oh, Anka, Anka excuse Anka, me. Paul yeah. Anka is 82. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe. Didn't he write the, the Tonight Show theme song? I think he did. Well, I think he did. Yeah. So he got very rich with even when he was Well, money. I hope he got very rich with it. Well, I would as think long so. as it was, it was on. Yeah. 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 Uh, Zach Brown of the Zach Brown Band, 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Halliwell Horner of mm-hmm. Spice Girls is 51. Well, if you say so. Well, yeah. Yeah. She's one of the original Spice Girls. Hmm. And The Edge of U2, 62. Drew Lachey of 98 Degrees, 47, and Sean Mendez. Uh, 25. It was Sean Mendez. I could not tell you a single thing. <laughs> Sean Mendez doing on a list with a bunch of old farts like us. Well, he deserves to have a birthday too. Oh, okay. So, all right. Shall we get to some of the music history makers? Oh, of course. On July 29th, 1965, The Beatles' second film, Help, had its royal premiere at London's Pavilion Theater. Hmm. And Sammy Oakey was there. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Probably wished he had been there. Uh, the Rolling Stones released Out of Our Heads on July 30th of 65. It contained uh, The Last Time, and I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Hmm. Can you imagine what it was like when that album came out and those two songs were on there? Do you think people hearing it for the first time had any idea the magnitude of those songs. So, boy, that would, a great, power. You know, that would be a great single. No. <laughs> That's only happened to me a couple of times. It was with uh, Sheer Heart Attack, uh-huh. the album by Queen. Okay. And I put that on my turntable before we started playing it on the air, and I said, this this bunch, this group's going to do big things. And they did pretty uh, good. They did pretty yeah. big things. <laughs> yeah. Big, big, big. Really. August 4th of 56, Elvis released Hound Dog. American Bandstand made its debut August 5th, 1957. Beatles released 
this album called Revolver. That could have gone in the same category as the Stones album hmm. a minute ago. Uh, that was no. August 5th, 1966. Paul McCartney announced the formation of a new band called Wings. August 3rd, Do you think it amounted to anything? <laughs> nah, nah, it didn't have staying power. What a great group Wings was, man. <laughs> oh, I indeed. love that. Pat Benatar released uh, Crimes of Passion, August 5th, 1980. Seems so long ago, and it was, I guess. Uh, Hit Me With Your Best Shot and Treat Me Right, the uh, two big singles on that album. Uh, Journey released Escape, July 31st, 1981. Stevie Nicks released Belladonna, July 27th, 81. MTV premiered August 1st. Boy, what a big deal that was. 1981. Yeah. Billy Joel released An Innocent Man, August 8th of 1983. And Prince released Purple Rain. August 6th, 1984, some of the great songs on that. Purple Rain, Let's Go Crazy, When Doves Cry, and I Would Die For You. Hmm. He was something. He could play a guitar, too, couldn't he? Yep. Songs with Heart. There are a lot of them, I can tell you them. Heart is going to appear somewhere in these songs. You want to dive in? Peace of my heart. Big Brother and the Holding Company with who? Janis Joplin. Heart Full of Soul, the Yardbirds. That was a great song. It's 65, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Hungry Heart, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Remember Herman's Hermits? Can't you hear my heartbeat? Yep. I did not realize, or I, I, maybe I'd just forgotten about it. They were named after a cartoon character in TV's Bullwinkle show, Herman's Hermits. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. By the way, Heartbeat made it up to number two on the Billboard charts. Okay. Uh, Heart of Rock and Roll and Heart and Soul. Huey Lewis in the News with a couple of entries. Of course, we couldn't leave this one out. Elvis, 1956, his number one song. Heartbreak Hotel. Mm-hmm. One of the biggie, big, 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 big ones. Uh, another song. Total I, Eclipse of the Brain. I, I never, if I never heard that song again, it would not be soon enough. I think we all, uh, Bonnie Tyler, I think we all played it and played it until we couldn't play <laughs> well, it Well, no I think more. the reason I remember, what stands out about that song, I was in Baltimore at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were playing a format where the top five songs played every hour. Oh, dear. And Total Eclipse was number one forever. I only worked at one station that did that. And boy, I tell you, it would wear you real thin <laughs> after about four hours, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Heart and Soul by T. Paul. Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, T'Pau. T'Pau. Mm-hmm. Heart Hotel, Dan Fogelberg. I pretty love song. that song. Yeah, party. Great song. It's Party. Heart of Stone, Rolling Stones, and Heartbreaker, do 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 do. Mm-hmm. Great song from the Stones. Uh, Heartbreak Hotel, the Jacksons, only made it to number twenty-two. I was now say, I don't even remember that. It followed hits for the Jacksons like "Shake Your Body" and "Lovely One," but Heartbreak Hotel uh, apparently couldn't crack the top twenty. And uh, it would be three years before Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger and the Jacksons mm-hmm. would release State of Shock. And huh. that one made it all the way to number three. But uh, Heartbreak Hotel just didn't cut it for the Jacksons. Huh. Uh, Heart of Glass, Blondie, great song. Made it to number one for her uh, in 1979. Time Clock of the Heart, Culture Club, and Boy George. One of my favorites from 1981 is Juice Newton, Queen of Hearts. Yeah, wow, that song. was a frisky song. Just moved right along. <laughs> yeah. Your cheating heart, Hank Williams. Good Lord, that one goes back. Doesn't it? Know? We'll tell on ye. Uh-huh. Open your heart, Madonna, and Burning Heart Survivor. Uh, I don't have the heart, James Ingram. Two hearts 
from Phil Collins, number one song from 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites from uh, summer of 71, a number one song for the Brothers Gibb, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart, uh, Bee Gees. I think that that is my favorite song that, that, of all time. It's just a pretty, it's pretty beautifully, song. beautifully produced. Yeah. Really. Uh, Heart in My Heart from Quarter Flash. Now, here's a group from Portland, Oregon, hmm. had their biggest hit on the charts with this song in 81, but the song was originally released as a single in early 80 by Seafood Mama. Seafood Mama? Yeah, that was their name before becoming <laughs> Quarter Flash. It was a regional success on uh, radio stations in Portland, Oregon, but it was 1981 before the rest of us got to oh, hear it, and that. what a great song it was. Of course, we're both big Yes fans, owner of A Lonely Heart. That was one of their latter hits. Mm-hmm. Great song. One of the though. final hits they ever had, big ones, yep. as a matter of fact. Heartaches by the Number, Ray Price. Mm-hmm. I think that was done by a whole bunch of other people, too. I don't think a biggest version of that was by Ray Price, was it? Heartaches uh... by the Number. Oh, well. Don't Go Breaking My Heart, Elton John. Who could forget yeah, that yeah, from 1976? Yeah. Great one, great one. Uh, quit playing games with my heart. Backstreet Boys don't remember it. Mm, great song. Put yeah. a little love in your heart, Jackie DeShannon. You remember that? I do. Now keep in mind, though, uh, Jackie did it. Annie Lennox and Al Green did that song mm-hmm. back I mean, in nineteen eighty-three. And all three of those were great versions. That's one of those songs that transcends any kind of mm-hmm. uh, whoever yep. does it. It's just so good that it's always good. Yeah. One of my favorite heart songs mm-hmm. uh, is a country song, George Strait, I Cross My Heart. That is one of my absolute favorite country songs because it's one of my favorite country movies. Pure Country came out in September of 92. Oh, okay. And every time I hear that song at the end of that movie, I get all teary-eyed. It's it's one of those movies, if I see it on, I'm going to watch it. The two-hanky two uh, movie or three-hanky movie? <laughs> it's it's a whole box of Kleenex. Oh, to, speaking of country, although this one really crossed over, uh-huh. Aggy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> Was that the only hit he ever had? Uh, no, he's, I mean, he's he, still... had, he had a few more after that, but uh, none brought him in the bucks, and then I guess he could stop. Well, I think his daughter... When Miley, yeah. Yeah, when, she when, sort of... Yeah, when her career kicked in. Uh Remember Don Johnson, mm-hmm. Sonny Crockett on mm-hmm. uh, Miami mm-hmm. Vice? Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest hit, 1986, uh, September of that year, Heartbeat was the it. song. Hit number five on the Billboard charts. His big hit. Actually, I think he did a duet later on with uh, Streisand, mm. and it didn't do nearly as well. Isn't, well. isn't that funny? Yeah. That's strange. Yeah. Uh, Foolish Heart, Steve Barry, 1985. Mm-hmm. And, of course... Chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra, did uh, Young at Heart. Deep in the heart of Texas, Perry Como. Hmm. My heart will go on, Celine Dion. Unbreak My Heart, Tony Braxton. I remember that. It was a good song. Yeah. Straight yeah. from the Heart, Brian Adams. Mm-hmm. Man, a lot of them are there. Stop Dragging My Heart Around, Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Nicks. Yeah. yeah, great song. You're In My Heart, uh, Rod Stewart. Was that 71, 72? Mm. I believe it was 72. Yeah, I think so. Early 70s. Know that. Yeah. Oh, and of course, the heartbeat is love beat, the DeFranco American Spaghetti family, <laughs> 1973. Not the same group. Okay. Not the the DeFranco group. family. Was that the only hit they had? 
Uh, I think so. I think yeah. So too. Yeah. We had had by the end of that. That's another one of those got played to death. And by the end of that, we were all finished with the DeFranco family. <laughs> <laughs> Heart of Gold, Neil Young. Now, I made you a Neil Young fan. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're working on it, Neil Young. You're, you're yeah, wor- I, I'm coming around oh, slowly. Man. He, but, you know, he's, he's got a very limited range, but he he does beautiful songs mm-hmm. within that range. He really does. Yep. Uh, Heart Attack, Olivia Newton-John, 1982. Yep. Uh, Hearts of Mine, Boz Skaggs. Not exactly a big song in 1988, but it was Boz Skaggs. Uh, Deep Inside My Heart and Hearts on Fire. A couple of uh, heart songs from Randy Meisner, who we will talk about uh, in our obituaries, who passed away recently. And um, Marty Ballon, Hearts. That was a great solo hit for him in 1981 co-founder of jefferson airplane like and that. jefferson starship and um you know went out on his own in the summer of 80 one uh, of the big was heartache is gonna be a heartache tonight baby right one eagles 1979 uh-huh. heart to heart from kenny loggins heart light from neil diamond and a heart like a wheel steve miller band 1981 when i saw heart like a wheel i went but wait a minute, Linda Runs, but that was the name of the album, and it was not really a single. Hmm. So, wow. But it was a great song, and I'd forgotten Steve Miller Band did that in 81. Have you ever been drunk on the air? No. How about stoned? Uh, well, you know, we rock and I've roll. I've done a couple of shows that probably should have been stoned <laughs> afterwards, but that's beside the point. Here's an example of a guy that he probably tried out too much of the products. Oh. oh his, his client's product. <laughs> <laughs> Music of the Meister Bow Showcase. A little Dixie here this morning. We hope you enjoyed it. And it's now 5.50 or 4.58. 4.58. fumbling around. Late news and weather. <laughs> he can't even tell the time, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, Anytime your thirst calls for the best of beer, make yours Meister. <laughs> and hiccups always present themselves. And what can you do about them? No, nothing much. Meister Bow is brewed by the... Peter Hand folks who have been brewing this fine beer since 1891. <laughs> and I beg your pardon. And here's a beer that goes on tasting real good, glass after glass after glass. And any time your thirst calls for the best of beer, make it Meisterbrow the Custom Brew. <laughs> a beer that's brewed with the finest grades of ingredients available to the industry. Mm. It always has been brewed just that way. And it always will be. And that's the only way that this beer ever will be brewed. I think so. <laughs> always with your satisfaction and your pleasure in mind. <laughs> that poor guy, he just barely made it through that. Oh, I feel so sorry for him. Well, he's got nobody to blame but himself. I believe that he was, he was trying out the product a little too much. Wasn't night. it... Was it Vasap that was doing the, those promotions early, people, uh, late seventies, early eighties, what have you, on on the air? Well, I don't you know. They'd, they'd come in and talk about you know the the problem with drinking and driving, what have you. I and, know that Rob O'Brady got drunk on the air purposely one time. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a thing that had to do with that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I you remember I that so. when, yeah, he, when he yeah. drank until he almost mm-hmm. fell out of the chair. Yeah. 
And of course, he had somebody in with him to make sure to get through the show. But he was uh, he was pretty bad off by the time they got him off the air. But it was was See, for that purpose. We were considered designated drivers way before our time. Because <laughs> yes, I, I I remember when Les Miller was at K ninety two. He did the same thing, and uh, you know I I stayed running the board and what Ooh, have you. Yeah. And, and you know you just sit over there if you can. So what did you do? Like a shot every half hour uh, or every some, fifteen say, minutes yeah, or something like that. Something. What like was you drinking? Vodka? I have no idea. Hmm. I don't know. Well, anyway, I didn't do it either. I, I couldn't. I, you know, I like to be. You know me. I like to be in command of myself. I like to know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of uh, chancy. Yeah, I don't like that, especially on the radio. Oh, Brady, without a delay. Well, oh, Brady. Not all. Of course, it was not a big stretch for him. He'd do a doobie every morning. <laughs> He'd go back in a, while the news was on. He'd go back in the transmitter room and do a doobie, and then come in and do a morning show with all those spots and all the phones ringing. And I could never have done that. Oh, My heavens, how did he do it? I don't know. Hey, he I saw something the other day, yeah. and we're both cat people. Uh, a survey found that four in ten people admit to taste testing their pet's food. No, come on. Four no. in ten. No. And let me just add that, that Frisky's pate is not as good on crackers, apparently. Um, though Wheeler and Libby think so. I'm just saying. And you might want to try that very same thing with Blue Puss. I think you're going to find the same results. But the, that four in ten. Well, George Hamilton the fourth, whom I love, huh? wrote a biography many years ago, and he talks about his crazy brother who uh, was gay. Yeah. And he says he was always putting on these big parties, and he said we couldn't afford parties. He said we're all of us. He and mom and me are living in a little bitty apartment, dinky apartment, <laughs> sleeping on the couch and on the floor. And he's throwing a big party one night, <laughs> and he says I, I go back in the, in the kitchen, and he's back there putting cat food on on. Crack and he says they're all drunk they'll never know the difference <laughs> he told a lot of wonderful stories <laughs> about his mom apparently was one of these people who never paid her bills oh no so about every three months they get up and just move in the middle of the night and move somewhere else <laughs> george hamilton fourth is a funny man oh funny love man, that funny man it's time now for music news all right. Uh, by the way, today is August 10th, the day we're recording this, and today is Duran Duran Appreciation Day. Well, I can appreciate that. <laughs> I had no idea I would have done something. Uh, they, they formed in Birmingham, England in 1980. Simon LeBon, Andy Taylor, Nick Rhodes, John Taylor, and Roger Taylor made a name for themselves in the 80s. Incidentally, the Taylors were not related. What? The group took the name Duran Duran from a villain in a Jane Fonda movie called Barbarella. Oh, I remember that. Uh, yeah. Only two number ones for them, The Reflex in 84, A View to the Kill from the James Bond movie in 85. But uh, yes, Andy Taylor, John Taylor, and Roger Taylor, same last names, but not related. Isn't that? What are the chances? Hmm. Uh, well, and Barbarella, by the way, was a dreadful motion picture. <laughs> it was just terrible. It really is. Oh, we were doing music news. Yes. <laughs> well, this is a continuation of that. Well, here's something. The Guess Who is back and on tour again. Really? Promoting their brand new album, Plein d'Amour. Yeah. Uh, released uh, June 30th. The current band includes Gary Peterson, mm -hmm. Derek Sharp, mm -hmm. Mike Levin, mm -hmm. and Michael Sterton. No Can you guess Connors. who's missing? Uh -huh. Right. Just the lead singers, Randy Bachman, and lead singer and keyboardist Burton Cummings. Huh. No mirror. Well, I mean, why bother? 
By the way, the original Guess Who group amassed a stunning 11 albums and 14 top 40 hits at the top of their careers. But yeah, they're on tour, but uh, we won't be seeing uh, Burton or Randy. Well, and I have to wonder, would the Guess Who have been as big without Burton Cummings to begin with? No, I don't think so. And Randy Botwin's guitar play. Sort of like the Four Seasons without uh, Frankie Valley. <laughs> well, that's true. I think. Good point. Don't you think so? Yep. Uh, by the way, Madonna's uh, debut album turned 40 on July 28th, contained uh, Borderline, Lucky Star, and Holiday. She was 24 when the album came out. Isn't that something? Yeah. And uh, she's still hoping, of course, she had an illness recently, but she's still hoping to uh, hit the road this fall. Hit the road, Jack. Yep. Yeah. Or Madonna. Yeah. Well, we've had some people leave us since the last time we talked. Quite a few, as a matter of fact. It's yes, kind of indeed. sad, really. Yeah. There have been a lot of deaths. Uh, Sinead O'Connor is dead at the age of 56. Sinead O'Connor, the gifted Irish singer-songwriter, became a superstar in her mid-20s, but was known as much for her private struggles and provocative actions as for her fierce and expressive music. She died at the age of 56. Kind of sad, really. Mm-hmm. I think she lost a child and just didn't get oh, over it. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, just didn't get over it. I am listening to a book just this morning on Robbie Robertson of the band. Yeah, this is so sad. Uh, the guitarist and primary songwriter died on August 9th after a long illness. He had collaborated with uh, Bob Dylan, penned the song The Wait. I did not realize he also penned The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Yeah, how about that? Uh, and also Up on Cripple Creek, among uh, other classics. Uh, Robertson would take on the role as the group's lead singer, writing the majority of uh, their songs and uh, pushing them forward when substance abuse issues and infighting threatened their existence. And it was his decision to pull the plug on the group in 1976 when he couldn't take it anymore. And that set the stage for the legendary farewell concert, The Last Waltz. Hmm. And I did not realize that Martin Scorsese, of course, Martin and uh, Robbie were became good friends, but Martin filmed that concert, The Last Waltz. And uh, they say that's possibly one of the best concert films Ever. And one more note, Neil Diamond, who appeared on stage in The Last Waltz, his 1976 album, Beautiful Noise, mm-hmm. was produced by Robbie. How about that? And I wasn't aware of that. So, Whoa. yeah, I feel like there's a, a lot to uh, listen to. And I'm talking about the book that came out in 2016 called Testimony, mm. his memoir. And apparently he was working on a second volume of that when he passed away. Mm, sorry so, to hear that. Very sad. What a talent. Paul Rubens has passed away. This one really knocked me over. Pee Wee Herman, of course, was his name. Uh, died of cancer at the age of 70. Oh, Been, no. uh, had kept it a, a big secret for about uh, the last six months. Nobody knew, but a couple of people. Paul Rubens, the actor and comedian who's Pee Wee Herman character, an overgrown child with a tight gray suit and unforgettable laugh, <laughs> became a 1980s pop cultural phenomenon. He died at the age of uh, 70. His uh, television series, Pee-wee's Playhouse, ran for five seasons and earned 22 Emmys and attracted not only children but adults, those of us who were in the know. He always had a little something going on the side to amuse us (laughs) that the kids couldn't figure out, winky, winky. The reason I bring him up here is because he had a tremendous love of uh, old top 40 hits, and he included them in his movies and his TV shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who could ever forget him dancing that stupid dance on top of a table 
tequila in a biker bar. <laughs> he always did outrageous things. And uh, in his original HBO uh, show, Pee Wee's Playhouse, the very first thing he ever did, I saw it. I was so old. It was so long ago, Larry. How long, How long ago, ago was, was it? it? <laughs> it's on Betamax. I recorded it on a Betamax tape. Anyway, he uh, performed uh, Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone oh, no. with uh, Miss Wyvon, the very voluptuous Miss Wyvon, a mailman Mike. He would do the part. <laughs> it was just hysterical. Anyway, he had a tremendous love of uh, old top 40 hits. And he always included on many shows, wow. which you have to admire him for that. Uh, by the way, we've got uh, media tales coming up in a second, but I did not want to leave this one out. Eagles co-founder Randy Meisner passed away on July 26 in Los Angeles due to uh, COPD. Uh, he was 77. Prior to his success with the Eagles, Meisner was bassist for Poco and was a vocalist for Rick Nelson's Stone Canyon Band. Randy Meisner, along with Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Bernie Ledden, formed the Eagles in 1970. He was on Eagles, Desperado, On the Border, and One of These Nights, and Hotel California. Also co-wrote the band's uh, hit song, Take It to the Limit. Or as uh, Lawrence Welk would introduce it on his show, Take It to, to the Lemon. Uh, <laughs> to the Lemon uh, one more time. Uh, Randy Meisner left the Eagles in September of 77. Uh, he said due to exhaustion, but reunited with the band on stage uh, when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. Are we ready for some media tales? Just a single tale and a short one at that, to okay. be sure. Uh, I have, Larry, I have joined the Facebook Cook and Cheap group. Oh, why? you know something about that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so I can freak people out who keep wishing me to rest in peace. <laughs> get so darn tired of people wishing me to rest in peace. I'm not gone yet. So I respond to every one of those now. I can personally respond. I'm not resting in peace, but I'm still alive and cooking. Also, there are people out there still trying to sell cooking cheap cookbooks for hundreds of dollars. And the other day, one for over a thousand bucks, if you can believe oh, this, my word. which is ridiculous. Total ripoff. They sold, by the way, originally for about $8. And I think that's pretty much what they're still worth. <laughs> Although, I will tell you, it's a great cookbook. Yeah. Uh, recipes were sent in by hundreds of uh, viewers. And we picked out the ones that were truly edible mm -hmm. and good. <laughs> and we put them in the book. That's pretty good. But there are thousands of those books out there, Larry. And you can often pick one up at a flea market for just a few bucks. Huh. I, myself, I think, have four or five copies <laughs> but I'm not trying to sell them, okay? Anyway, so, anyway, so you're not dead yet? I'm not dead yet. Okay. I joined the group so I could personally tell everybody, stop wishing me rest in peace. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Is it true this is the 50th anniversary of American graffiti? You know, it really is uh, a rock movie milestone. It really was. American graffiti turns 50 mm -hmm. this year. It already has, as a matter of fact. Ron Howard didn't have high hopes for what would become the most formative and transformative movie-making experience of his young life. He had just come off of Opie right. a few years right. before. Right. I thought it would probably play drive-in theaters on the summer circuit like any other teen movie, he said. Debuting in a single theater, a single theater in Los Angeles on August 12, 1973, it quickly mushroomed into a massive 
crowd-pleasing pop cultural phenomenon. And I have to admit, one of my favorite goofy movies of all time, and I'm sorry, I've seen it 15 times, and I'd watch it right now if I had 15, if I had an hour and a half to do it. <laughs> I, I just love it. It's got great music. It's got great stars. Uh-huh. It's got great dancing. A stupid story, but you know. Howard was uh, part of an all-star ensemble mm-hmm. as Steve, a straight-as-an-arrow, recently graduated senior class president, eager to embrace life after high school, which isn't exactly what his head cheerleader, sweetie Cindy Williams, had in mind. So anyway, that started. It's all about uh, guys and gals, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, dating and kissing. And and the whole time they're doing all this, of course, there's music in the background, and guess who the disc jockey is? It's Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack. Jack. Playing uh, radio from across the border at a 100,000-watt radio station. Interestingly, um, the book, another one I just listened to, The Boys, which is Ron Howard and his brother Clint, he talks about doing American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that worried him, I don't think I'm going to give anything away here, was the fact that Cindy Williams was playing a teenage girl, (laughs) yet she was in her mid Twenties. Well, it's not the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, but I think she had to teach him to do the kiss. Oh, really? Yeah, but there wasn't anything romantic. He was very young. Yes. Uh, By the way, the director of the film was George Lucas. And he was at the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe. When Howard was 18 and began shooting American Graffiti, he was already a Hollywood veteran, of course, known in living rooms everywhere as Opie on The Anna Griffith Show, a, a role that he played for eight years, beginning when he was six years old. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. George shot the whole movie in sequence. That's very unusual, by the way. That's not done very often. Uh-huh. That's true. Uh, Howard says, referring to filming scenes in the order that they would occur in the story, he knew that with us staying up all night for five or six weeks, we'd look exhausted at the end, just like their characters, rumpled, strained, and drained. (laughs) By the time he was filming the final scene, man, we were exhausted. All that wear and tear, those circles under the eyes, that was from weeks of continuous all-night shooting. Mm. The budget was so tight. <laughs> How tight was it? How tight was it? The actors, male and female, shared a single on-set trailer, a Winnebago. <laughs> it's true. The movie's postscript revealing what happened to each of the characters uh, was a change because it was considered a lightweight movie, but it got very serious. At the end, we learned that one of the characters has died, another is missing in action in Vietnam. Yeah. And yet another was left and left the country to live in Canada, as many young men did at the time, to avoid the draft. Uh, he says, I think that gave the movie a lot of gravitas and surprised hmm. people at the end. So it became more than just a, a, a goofy movie. Now, not mentioned in any article I've written about this, yeah. there was a lot of great music and there were hits that came out of this. So anyway, everybody in L.A. is listening to The Wolfman, yeah. but nobody knows where he is or who he is or what he looks like. But Richard Dreyfus comes very close. He actually finds the studio. And he sees the guy behind the glass. Wolfman puts a tape in and says, that's the Wolfman there. Uh, but uh, So he's actually talking to him. Yeah, he's talking to him. He but, doesn't even realize. But he doesn't realize. Oh, great piece. So anyway, piece. Uh, yeah, so 50 years old and it's still going strong. If you haven't seen it, uh, just get over yourself and watch it. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. A lot of fun. Uh, you ready for Beyond the Tracks? Joni Mitchell. Sure. In her own words by uh, Malka Maroom. Uh, five things you may not know about Joni Mitchell. First concert she attended was Ray Charles. How about that? Uh, Joni Mitchell 
Always wanted to record both sides now before Judy Collins. She it wrote it. Apparently, right? yeah, you would you think she would have done it. Uh, inspired by Bob Dylan and uh, Billie Holiday, her musical influence, Stevie Wonder. How about that? Uh, took six years to find Tom Scott and the LA Express to record on Court and Spark, which was released January 17th of 74. And in 1997, Big Yellow Taxi was written where? Hawaii. Of all places. She arrived late at night. The I next didn't morning, even know they had she, taxis. <laughs> she opened her blinds to see paradise out her window until she looked down and saw all the cars and traffic. Oh, okay. And all they right. paved the paradise and put up, put a, up parking a parking lot. lot. And people charge the people a dollar and a half just to see Well, it. and apparently it was just a regional hit in Hawaii at the time. But then in 2002, mm. Counting Crows uh, had a hit with Joni. And what a song it was. Absolutely. So, uh, before we wrap this up, can we do a pop quiz? Oh, absolutely. We're just popping all the time, as you know. Even when we don't want to be around here, we can't keep the popper Popped. not popping. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Wilhelm scream? I don't think I have. The Wilhelm Scream? Mm-hmm. You have probably heard the Wilhelm Scream, but didn't know it. Well, I'll, Please explain. Well, here's here's what it sounds like. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a Kroger the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, and by the way, this is not uh, copyrighted material, Yeah. because directors and producers love this one thing that was recorded in the 50s. Yeah. They occasionally just throw it into a scene when someone's launched off the back of a truck or <laughs> over a cliff or something. It has become sort of an inside Hollywood joke. It's been used in big <laughs> movies and small movies and action movies. And the sound effect, a strange and silly scream, uh. was recorded in a studio in 1951 for a Western movie but somehow found its way into the soundtrack of over 400 movies oh my God. and TV shows just because of its rather strange sound. By the way, the Wilhelm scream, named for the guy who actually did it in 1951, is in the public domain as it consists of information that is common property and contains no original authorship, can be used by anybody. The original tape recording was recently found in a college library and was featured not too long ago on CBS Morning News. Great fun, isn't it? It really is. It's a scream, I'm telling you. It's a scream. So go ahead and try it next time you're at the grocery store. Absolutely. Ah! All right. Is that it for episode 70? I should think so. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Two Larrys and a Mic. If you like this episode, hit the subscribe button so you'll be notified of new episodes. And you can find Two Larrys and a Mic wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share this podcast with someone. Just click on the share button. Yep. See you next time for Two Larrys and a Mic. I'm Larry Dowdy. Larry Bly here. And uh, oh, oh, I'm getting a signal from Mike from his television telephone watch yes it is lunchtime it's like dick (laughs) tracy he's reinvented the dick tracy watch oh dear